0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Do you ever find yourself in life trying to find answers to very big questions? Ones that you don't even know if there is an answer to, but you want the answer I find myself there on a regular basis, and, and the question that I just want answered is, what is the quickest way to the airport? <laughs> and, and especially when I'm over, over on 51st Avenue, and, and it's like, okay, do I dare go north to the 10, or, or, or do I just break down and use my navigation on my phone and listen to where my phone is going to take me. Well, here's the deal. I'm not afraid to tell you this. I don't trust my phone. I don't trust the navigation. I have been taken in way too many different directions, the long way around, so I don't trust the phone, but I still put the the address in the phone anyways, just in case, Just just to see where it might take me. But then when when I go to the airport, and and my wife will tell you this, I am a very impatient person. So so what happens is when I drive, this is the way that I drive. If, If I'm going down baseline and I get to 51st Avenue and I'm going to turn left to go north, and there are more than three cars in the left turn lane and I'm not assured to make that light, I go straight. And so then I go, and then and it is, and then it's at forty third. Then it's at thirty fifth, and then and then there's always the maybe if I go on Broadway now that they've expanded it, maybe that is the fast way. And if I hit the lights right, I'll, I'll be good to go. So 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 then I do, and and I'm driving down, and, and it's about making the lights, and and which way is the fastest, and then you get to Nineteenth Avenue. And, and I'm just telling you, anyone who goes on 19th Avenue to get on I-17 is a sucker. Because the rest of Phoenix is waiting there for you. And of course, you can't see them till you get over this, the, the bridge. And then you'd say, why didn't I go to 7th Avenue? Because not only then can I go to 7th Avenue, but there's also the 7th Avenue shortcut and, and we know about that, right? I don't even know what the name of the road is. I don't even know if it is a road. But, but if, if the right lane is blocked, you can turn right, you can sneak on. I think it's legal uh, based on the fact that other people are doing it, and I've never been pulled over for it. And, and so in the midst of this, it, it makes me realize that maybe there's not a right answer. It depends on traffic. It depends on time of day. But I still wonder, under perfect conditions, what is the fastest way for me to go? The problem with with my never ending desire to get there more quickly is that I have also wound up in proverbial traffic jail making a turn down a road that I would have been warned. There is a backup. There's a mile backup. There's an accident there that, that I don't know about. And the problem is, is when I make those impulsive decisions to turn right, to go straight, even though I'm being told to go a different direction, then I am limited by how far I can see. And, and so in the moment, I make decisions based on what I can see in front of me rather than what's down the road. And I would argue that that is what most of us do not only in traffic, but we do it in life. Because in God's word, what we have, in some ways, God's word is like a GPS. It's a navigation system. That God tells us in his word, he tells us the path that we should go. And I don't care who you are, that, that there are times when you look at God's word, when you look at the Bible, like you're looking at your navigation on your phone, and you say to yourself, based on what I see, based on my experience on these roads, based on my experience in my life... This is not the quickest way to get where I want to go. And so we, it's not that we throw away God's word. It's not that we quit going to church necessarily. It's not that we quit listening completely to Christian friends. But what we do is we start to take our own turns. That is what Jacob did today. And, and it's what Isaac did today today. It's what Rebecca, his mom, did today. It's what his brother Esau did today as well. What they did is they made decisions based on their own judgment what seemed the best route to go. And as the the title tells you, my way leads to the highway, meaning that by doing this, by acting in this way, by not following God and his word, it destroyed every family relationship that this family had completely destroyed them, and, and was so bad that Jacob had to leave. And, and, and in leaving, when he had his mom, who was, he was a mama's boy, we already said that, how much she loved him and how close they were, Jacob would never see his mother alive again. This was it. This, by doing this, by making the decision that he made, he would never see her again. And one of the closest relationships that he had that was a good relationship would also be destroyed. And so as we look at this, the encouragement is going to be for you to, to have God's word out there. The fact that you're here today means you're at least on some level listening to the navigation system, which is great. But, but what we're going to find and, and what Jacob find, found over a period of time is that the more and more you look at where God guides, and leads, that maybe God knows more about your life than you do. Maybe God sees the things that are happening in your life and the decisions you need to make, that those decision processes, that his way of guiding you is more clear than yours is. And so that's what we're going to consider as we look at this section from Genesis chapter 27. And we begin. Uh, Genesis 27, 1 to 4. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Just going just going to stop there for a moment. What's interesting about this is, is that Isaac was still going to live at least another 40 years. So, so if you think in terms of the fact that he is going to die, like immediately, he wasn't. But the problem is, and, and you could imagine how difficult it would be for someone who lived at that time to become blind, and so for Isaac, as he looked at it, he knew that he didn't know how much longer he had. He was old, but, but I think part of the problem was that as Isaac looked at himself as a man and his usefulness of leading the family, that he realized that his days of doing that were coming to a close, and it was time for him to pass the baton, as it were, of leadership in the family from himself to his oldest son, Esau. Esau problem is, is that God had told him that Esau wouldn't be the individual who would be the leader of the family, but rather he was told that Jacob is the one who would do it. And so knowing that gives a little bit of the context to what is going to happen next. We continue. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me so that I may give you my blessing before I die. And so now Isaac had the plan. The plan was they were going to have the special supper, the special dinner, that it was just going to be the two of them and, and he was going to give them and, and give him the blessing. The thing about it is that as you look at this, this is something that normally would be done with the entire family. This would normally be something where where when this blessing was passed from one to another, it wasn't just just personal between the father and the son, but it would be something that you would want to be made public so that everyone would see it. It It would be a celebration and it would be a time for them to recognize then Esau as the leader of the family. So it begs the question, why didn't he do that? And the answer was because he knew He knew that it wasn't what God had said. He knew that if he made the rest of the family aware, Rebekah would be all in his business. His wife would be all over him about it. And also Jacob would be coming and saying, you know this is not what we're supposed to be doing. And so in the blank, he can write, Isaac used secrecy to get his way. Isaac used secrecy to get his way. So, how many of you have secrets? How many of you, in relationships that you have, don't tell someone the whole story? That that you don't tell them everything. Uh, that because it, it might make you look bad. First of all, I'll just start in one area. If you are someone who has an issue with an addiction, addicts are liars, all of them, without exception. Every single person who is an addict, they lie. They lie about their drinking. They lie about their drug use. They lie to others. They lie to themselves, Period. And, and so as you look at that, you could argue uh, that all of us on one level or another are addicted to sin. So in that way, we, we all lie. And, and maybe you're not comfortable with that, but are you comfortable with saying you have your own dirty little secrets? That if everyone knew everything about you, you would be mortified. That, that, that you just, there are certain things you don't let people all the way in. Or maybe you're like I can be sometimes with my wife, and that is sometimes she's on a need to know basis, and and that there are certain things that I don't lie to her and and not tell her. I just fail to share that information, and and then when I'm busted, (laughs) she tells me, Dan. I always find out. I don't know why you do this. I don't know why you didn't come clean in, in the first place, and, uh, and then it's usually, and you have crumbs on your shirt. <laughs> you right? So, so sometimes the, the level of secrecy, sometimes you withhold the information, maybe sometimes you do it in, in secret. But here's the deal: is if you have secrets, we're going to get to this. You might be lying to your uh, lying to others that are close to you. The truth comes out, just does. You might be think you're lying to God. Newsflash: He already knows. And and right now, the only person who might be believing your lies and the secrecy is you. So the encouragement as we look at my way leads to the highway that if you are in secrecy now, it's time to turn the light on. It's time to come clean. It's time to tell the truth. We continue. I told you the wife always knows. Now Rebecca was listening. (laughs) So he was probably, you know, maybe his eyesight was going and with sometimes can be the case with older people and I'm starting to be in older people right now, you tend to talk a little bit louder than you used to talk before because you think they can't hear either. And so maybe you've been in that situation where the conversation gets loud. So as Esau or it, uh, Isaac is telling Esau, Rebecca's right there, and she's like, are you kidding me right now? And again, the secrecy doesn't work. They find out. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, I'm going to go out in the field, go out and do this, go kill it, make something tasty. So she told Jacob the whole story. Now she says to him... Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for, for your father just the way he likes it because no one makes it like mom does, right? He's going to love this. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Oh, my goodness. In case no one has told you, two wrongs doesn't make a Right? In case no one told you this, God doesn't necessarily need your help to do his work. He's God. He's all-powerful. And so what you see in this situation is, is where the secrecy, it, you can almost imagine the wheels turning with Rebecca, two can play this game. And, and now as we look at this, I'm going to do what needs to be done, and, and we will make this happen. So in the blank, you can write, Rebecca needed deception to get her way. She used deception. So I don't know where everyone is at today with these. I don't know if you look at Rebecca and you say, man, she's horrible, I would never do anything like that. But the reality of it is, is along with the secrecy there is something that we also have as well, and that is a facade. And and a a facade is a false front, right? And so the the ultimate in facade is if you would go on an old movie set for a western. And, And if you've ever been to one, you know that it looks like this huge Old West city, but then if you walk behind the wall, there's nothing behind it. And, and that's what a facade is. It, it wants you to believe that there is something there, something that maybe you even want to see, but behind it, there is no substance. And I believe it was Shakespeare who said, you know, we're all actors, right? The, the world is our stage, and so we act. The, the, the things we do. And so have you ever pretended to be someone that you're not? Have you ever tried to make the outside, your outside, look a certain way so that the people that you would run into would would see you in a certain way and and think about you in a certain way? Again, we are guilty of these things. It is is the way that, that we think to try to get our way using deception. We continue. So we have Isaac, who's not telling the truth. We have Rebecca, who's, who's using deception with Jacob. And then it says, what if my father touches me? So now Jacob, Jacob, notice, doesn't say, mom, this is wrong. This is not the way you're supposed to do things. Let's go have a conversation with dad and, and talk to him about God's promises and, and what God has to say. No, what does he do? He thinks it all the way through. He likes it, but... What if my father touches me? Because Esau, as we learned last week, is all hairy, and, and, and Jacob is not. He's got the smooth baby skin. So what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him. You're not appearing to tricking him. You are, Jacob, just so we're clear. It's, it's not going to have that appearance. That is what you are doing. And would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. In the blank, you can write Jacob wanted to do things his way. He was fine with trickery, he didn't want to get caught. He didn't want the consequences that he was saying, I'm all right with doing this, but what if? What if? What's the contingency plan if this happens? And, and there's two things that I want you to write here because these, these are, I see these all the time in myself. I see them in people I run into. And you can write the word rationalize, first of all. Rationalize. And then underneath that, write the word Minimize. And so, first of all, there's rationalizing going on, and rationalizing is trying to give the thought process, thought process you are going through to explain that why what you did was okay. And, and you, no one had to teach you this. This is something you learn naturally, and it, and it started when you took someone's toy for the first time. And... And why, when you were called on it, what did you say? I had it first. Uh, it's my turn. I, I, whatever it is, the kids are pretty good at coming up with it on the spot of a rationalization of a behavior that I know is, is wrong. And then, it, as it continued, he hit me first. I mean, what more rationalization do you need of why I hit him then he hit me. This is just payback. This is street justice. This is playground justice, right? In the same way, Rebecca, Jacob, why did you deceive your father? Why did you use trickery? Because he was doing something God didn't want him to do. Because this, this was a blessing God promised to give to me. I did it because he tried to do it in secret. That is rationalizing if you are in a situation where you are having a feud, where you are having a disagreement, where you are doing behavior that if someone from the outside were to look at and say, that's just wrong, you are rationalizing it based on their behavior. The second, the second part then, rationalizing, is minimizing. And for minimizing, it's, it's not that big a deal. It, it, it's really not. I mean, uh, that, that you would look at it and so if this is driving your car, I'm only going five miles an hour of the speed limit. Who gets a ticket for that? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even think it's against the law. It's so minuscule. I, I, didn't even, I don't think a policeman can pull you over for that, but they can. But, but what we do is we minimize that it's really not that big a deal. And you know why? I'm just driving with traffic. That's what I'm doing. Everyone else is going that speed. If I went more, more slowly, it would actually be a hindrance to traffic and someone would probably get hurt. That is minimizing. Now I want you to think about that in terms of relationships with people and, and it's someone else just being a big baby. That what I did was not that bad. And it doesn't work. And, it, and it's a way of you talking yourself into your way that ultimately leads you away from God. We continue. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. So she covered his hands, the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son the tasty food and the bread she had made. And I just need you to stop for a moment, and I want you to picture this. And I want you to picture Jacob going in there with Esau's clothing, and and these furs around him in case his dad. So what are they tied on? And you if anyone would have seen this or taken a picture of it, or 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 walked in on him, you just said, "Jacob, you're an idiot. You are an absolute idiot." But but, but that's what he does. So he goes with the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? it?" Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. I'm Esau, your firstborn. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly? How did you get the meat so quickly, my son? This is even more painful. The Lord your God gave me success. Why lightning clouds did not form and strike him dead on the spot, I still don't know. Other than God's grace is what this is about. But, but notice what he does. He lies. He lies to his, his blind father about who he is, then brings God into it, saying this is something that God is blessing right now that is so good sad. In the blank, you can write, getting my way leads to a spider web of sin that leads me to lie to God, others, and myself. Leads me to lie to God, others, and, and myself. And, and in this one, I, I think if you have ever been in a situation where you have been caught in a spider web of sin, that your behavior has progressively gotten worse and worse and worse, that that you get to a point where you are so embarrassed that, that when someone comes from the outside and sees how you have twisted and contorted your life to live a lie, to get the thing that you want, as we look at Jacob, Do you you see, this? I hope you feel this way, how sad and pathetic he was? The key for us is to be able to look in a mirror on a regular basis, which we do when we confess our sins, and realize you've done the same thing. In order to live the lie, in order to do the rationalizing, the minimizing, whatever it is, in order to get our way, this is where it ends up. This is where sin takes you. And now what is the fallout? We continue. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. So now Esau, and, and I skipped a little bit, so if you want to go in, we just don't, didn't have time to read it all today, but if you go back, Esau then comes back with the food, and, and then he goes to, to his father, and he's like, okay, I got the food, and, his, and Isaac said, I already gave you the blessing and he's like no i it wasn't me that's when he realizes what jacob had done then esau finds out what jacob had done and it leads to this esau held a grudge against jacob because of the blessing his father had given him so jacob did this and it worked congratulations jacob you got what you wanted you got the blessing but he held a a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. He has the funeral planned. We'll bury dad and I'll kill Jacob. We'll make it a double funeral and I will finally be, be done with him. And of course, Rebecca, being around the tents, heard this. And Rebekah said, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. You can fill in the blank right away. The selfish ways of everyone involved led Jacob to the highway and strained every relationship in the family. Some of the things we're not told, some of the things we are. And so first of all, you have this situation with Esau and and Jacob. And I'll tell you that these brothers ended up not talking civilly for probably 20-ish years, 25 years maybe. So so that is one component of this. What we're not told about is the relationship of Isaac and Rebekah. I want you to think about what this would have done to their marriage I want you to think about what this what this would have done with their communication and their ability to trust one another. We're not told the words that are never recorded in this section. I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. I was out of line. Please forgive me. None of that. None of that is part of this. We'll end up getting to resolution by the end of this message series, by the end of the summer. But, but it's going to take a while. And, and so as we look at this, also look in your life. Maybe you can see it in your own life. Maybe you can see it around those uh, of situations in your life where with family and with people who are close, there is absolutely no resolution because there is no forgiveness. That, that, that is the only way through this. You know why? Because that's God's way. We hold on to our way so tightly. We want to be right. We want to get what we want that we fail to go to God's way, which is the way of forgiveness. And, and so you wonder, well, what would this have looked like? What, what would the positive way have been? Would it have been Rebecca and Isaac talking this out and saying, we need to do this in a godly way and we need to teach our kids to also resolve their differences in a godly way? And so we need to sit down and we need to have a discussion. Maybe that's naive of me to think, that that a family would work that way. And I think you know what it's like. Maybe some of you have even tried it with family, where you've tried to get past something that happened and so you're at an impasse and you don't necessarily know where to go. But we are given some idea in God's word. And so we go to Psalm 18, verse 30. Again, in, in contrast to my way, we have God's way. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord, the, excuse me, The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. And so the first part of it is to be able to turn to God and know what his plan is. As I already said, the, the most obvious plan is the plan seen in Christ. It's a plan of forgiveness. It's a plan where he takes sin and he pays for it and he forgives it. It's a plan where he comes to you first individually and loves you, who calls you out of the rationalizing and minimizing and encourage you and demands that you confess your sins to him. And we do. And we plead for his mercy and he forgives us. And then is the complicated part, right, of, of dealing with others with that forgiveness in love. The next verse also gives us a little idea of how we can do this. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. And this is the part, that no one in this, with, with Isaac, Rebecca, Esau, Jacob, they couldn't be happy, they couldn't be content unless they got what they wanted. And so the Apostle Paul who writes this is, how about this, how about we be content in a different way in any and every situation, whether I get the blessing or I don't get the blessing, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, that my conditions around me and, and my plan and my way is not what makes me happy. Instead, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In the blank, you can write, God gives me every blessing I need in Jesus, I will be content with whatever blessings he gives me. The first part, God gives me every blessing I need in Jesus. Do you like the song, Your Grace is Enough?, it's one of my favorites. I mean, I, mean I, I really enjoyed being up here in front in worship today, and your grace is enough. And that's what this is saying, that, that the first part of this comes with, with what God has given to me, that God's way, that if God only gave me Jesus, and again, I, I hate even saying it that way, only, but God has given us a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, He's given me a relationship with him as his child. He's given me a hope and a future in heaven. He's made me an heir to heaven. That that is enough. That's more than enough. That's definitely more than I deserve. And so it starts with that. It starts with a calming of the heart, counting the blessings, realizing what God has given to you. And then the second part has to do with, I will be content with whatever blessings he gives me. Okay, so now, what happens in my life where I'm not getting what I want, where I'm not getting my way? There is a, a song we're going to be singing right after this. The band's going to come out in just a minute, and the name of the song is Trust in You. And And in the song, I was here last night as we were getting ready, and I was thinking through the message and everything like that, and... I've heard this song a bunch of times, but I really hadn't f- focused on the lyrics as much as I maybe should have. And these are the lyrics you're going to, to, to see and sing. And, and the words, these just really got to me. This I don't know why. And, but the words that you're going to sing are this. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through when you don't give the answers as I cry out to you. What that's describing are my plans where I want God to do this. I want him to move this mountain. I want him to, to do this so I can get through that. I want him to give me the answer that I want. And, and where it is going to lead us, I will trust in you that, Lord, I'm going to put these things in your hands. And and this is where we we and Jacob are going to end today, and that is this. Remember the big picture. What is God trying to teach Jacob? And that is, Jacob, in these times in your life where you think you have to do all these things to to work my will, you need to stop, and you need to trust in me. Jacob, God would have told him, Jacob, I am making your Family into a people from which the Savior is going to come. This is going to be a nation. This is more than just about you. And so what I need to do is you need to have a reflex action not to go to your own way, not to go to deception and secrecy and lies, but rather you need to be able to look to me and that is why God has done that in our lives, that, that all of the things that we go through that make us see our great need for God, they're ultimately pointing not just through the things we're going through, keep your eyes higher because it is a pattern of trust for the God who has taken away your sin, who loves you and leads you to heaven. My way leads to the highway. God's way leads to an eternity with him in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, help us as we come to you in our lives to first of all realize the futility of our way uh, of of following sin and selfishness and self-absorption. Then Lord, help us to, as we've talked about, to say your grace is enough, that we look at the forgiveness of sins we have in Jesus and that relationship and that is enough to sustain us. And Lord, then help us in our lives when, when things are not going, quote unquote, our way, to turn back to your way, to turn back to your plan, to turn back to your love and faithfulness and rest on that. Jesus, this is hard to do. It is hard. So, so break our hearts. Create in us a, a clean heart, a pure heart that follows you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. There have been many improvements on the navigation on our phones, and I'm still not at a point where I can completely trust it. But I'm telling you that when it comes to our lives and, and, and eternity with the Lord that we have, my encouragement is to, to follow that navigation, to listen to his word, to, to test him on it time after time and see that the way that he leads, his way, the way of the cross, the way of forgiveness, the, the way of love is the way. And, and as you go down that way, he gives you the strength, he gives you the guidance, he is there with you as your savior and as your guide as you go. And now you go, as you go, go with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace.